Hi, and a really warm welcome to today's podcast, which is another episode in the Adaptive Work Skills series. I'm Chris Watson from Endor Learn and Develop, and we're a specialist provider of behaviourally based learning services. Our aim is to deliver practical ideas to extend the performance of people. During the programme today, we're going to be having a look at what it is that great managers do differently, what separates average managers from peak performers, and how you can use this knowledge to accelerate your long-term career and succeed in a management role. Welcome aboard. It's been estimated that one in two people have left a job to get away from their line manager at some point in their career. So it's clear that the impact of a manager's role cannot be underestimated. The role of the manager is changing the modern workplace. It's certainly no longer about hierarchy or structural authority, i.e. You know, how, many, how many stripes you have on your sleeve. For example, up until quite recently, actually, it used to be said that managers manage things and leaders lead people, which sounds you know, very plausible initially. However, these days, whether you're called a leader, a manager, a supervisor, you'll invariably have responsibility for the people that report to you. You'll have responsibility for building trust and strengthening their engagement levels. So fundamentally, all of these roles, whatever the term is, are all required to deliver results through people. Now, one critical question for anyone who's a, a manager, a leader, or a supervisor is, when you look into the eyes of the people who report to you, what is it that you see? And for some observers, this is where the subject of management begins. It's based on a, a very old book called The Human Side of Enterprise by Douglas McGregor. And please don't take this as a, a referral to get the book because it's, it's rather dry, it's wordy, and it's, it's definitely out of sync with the realities of the modern workplace. However, it does contain one concept which has bled into public consciousness and is still actively promoted on management training courses to this date. Essentially, is that uh, there, are, there are two different approaches a manager can take. All managers hold certain preconceptions about human nature, and this influences their management style. It's been developed through socialization, through role models they've worked with, previous managers and other job environments that they've been in. And as a result, some managers are more inclined to see their teams as essentially committed, driven and motivated individuals, while others see people as needing hounding and bringing into line now and again. The way that some people manage, therefore, will always be driven by the particular lens that they see the world through. Now, most managers are, of course, a, a complex mix of both of these. But according to McGregor, each manager retains an orientation towards one lens or another. Now, the problem is both sides, if overused, either task management or relationship management can create issues. 
Too goal orientated, for example, can lead to a lack of concern for the impact of any initiatives on the people side, who will therefore become demotivated. Conversely, too much focus on the people side and keeping everyone happy will result in losing sight of operational priorities and the results that you need to deliver. And this isn't saying that either approach is good or bad. It's just about consequences. When you actually start to unpick the elements of both task and relationship management, both have actually got lots of value. So the question to ask yourself is, if you can imagine a long thin line with task management on the left hand side and relationship management on the right, whereabouts would you put yourself right now? And the only restriction is you cannot choose slap bang in the middle. Now, this isn't a question about morals or what sounds better or is ethically sound. It's just asking where would you naturally gravitate to if you're being really honest with yourself? Would you gravitate more towards the right or to the left? And the reason this is asked is because wherever you decide to put yourself on this imaginary continuum, there are always consequences. I'd now like to share one of my all time favorite pieces of research. And it's kind of built on the challenge of reconciling these two sometimes opposing requirements of both people and task. Gallo wanted to find out precisely what it is that great managers did differently, i.e. what differentiated an adequate or average manager from a real peak performer in their role. Interestingly, how they defined a peak performer was really consistent with what we've covered so far. And that for Gallup, it was someone who was able to juggle both people and task requirements. Gallup recognized that it was, it was really easy to do one thing or another, to focus mainly on task or mainly on people, especially if you've got a disposition to, to operate in that way. But they wanted to find people who could keep both balls in the air at the same time and consistently deliver results through their people. So they set sail on one of the largest, most comprehensive studies that's ever been undertaken into precisely what it is that great managers do. They asked behaviourally based questions to thousands of managers to find out about their work approaches and then compared the results of adequate average managers with those who were skilled at juggling both balls, the peak performers in their role. Essentially, they were hoping to identify the secrets to effective management, the key ingredients that separated the good from the great, the specific skills and attributes, which if they could be identified, could then be packaged as a blueprint for success and sold to Gallup's many clients around the world. To summarize, there was no blueprint for success. When comparing the approaches of peak performers, Gallup discovered significant differences in almost every aspect of management, including motivation, setting direction, developing teams. So while these findings must have been really frustrating for Gallup, for anyone who's interested in becoming a manager or anyone interested in their own professional growth, these results are also incredibly liberating. Because the results demonstrate that there isn't one way to manage. 
And this makes sense. You think about it and reflect on all of the managers that you've ever admired or known, the ones that have really made a positive impact. And without exception, all of them will have applied different approaches to their work. Because there isn't just one way to motivate. There isn't one way to set direction and there certainly isn't one way to develop teams. So this has got a profound effect on the way that we go about developing future managers. For example, if there really is such a variation in the approaches adopted by really effective managers, then this puts a really big question mark over many of the conventional approaches that are currently used to develop managers today. And the most prolific of these is called the competency framework. And it's, it's based on an assumption that employees somehow need fixing to perform at their best. Just like Rocky Balboa, people have got gaps, weaknesses which need to be addressed before they can be deemed as competent in role. And while the original driver for many of these frameworks was to define the behavioral expectations required at a different job level, they rarely succeeded in accommodating the complexity of evolving job requirements. And also they were very rarely revisited and so tended to express requirements of a given role from a very dated or retrospective perspective, and certainly not a reflection of what was needed moving forward in today's rapidly changing workplace. And the competency model was based on a, a, an old myth that the ideal employee could be found. It suggests that it's possible to really define a set of standards which is required for effective performance. And then this magic formula for success can be captured and, and shared with people in order to provide a, a, a blueprint or a roadmap for success. But what the Gallup study revealed is that this just isn't the case, and certainly not for managers. Are Gallup therefore suggesting that it, it kind of doesn't matter what skills you develop during your management career if there isn't one way to manage? Not at all. I mean, it's absolutely the case that certain skills will help managers to perform their roles more effectively, even if these aren't the sole differentiator between adequate and effective performance. Now, additionally, a number of other more recent studies have confirmed that organisations are far more likely to deliver effective results by bolstering the strengths and talents of each person instead of using an arbitrary competency framework in an attempt to transform their people into well-rounded individuals. And this actually is the philosophy adopted by Facebook's vice president of people, Laurie Gola, who made it her mission to make the big daddy of the social media world into what she termed a strengths-based organization. And it looks like her approach is paying off because Facebook is now regularly cited as one of the best places to work in the world today. Now, there is a footnote to the Gallup study, which didn't quite end with the revelation that there isn't just one way to manage. They're about to close the book on what had been a very time consuming and costly exercise when someone began to notice something quite unexpected. It was one word which consistently appeared in the descriptions of the work approaches 
of the peak performers in the study, but was consistently absent in the responses provided by the adequate or average managers. And this was a word which no one was expecting or looking for. It wasn't to do with any of the dimensions commonly associated with management skills, and it wasn't something that typically appears on any competency profile. So what was this one elusive word, the single thing that appeared to differentiate between adequate managers and really effective peak performers? What was the secret to management that Gallup had inadvertently identified, the thing that great managers did differently based on one of the most comprehensive studies of management that had ever taken place? It seems that each manager, knowingly or otherwise, recognize the importance of individualizing their approach. So when setting direction, they individualize the same message to make it relevant to each person. If conducting a performance review, they would do the same. Even when they were disciplining a member of staff or providing praise and encouragement, everything they do was about individualizing. These effective managers had the interpersonal nous to realize that one size doesn't fit all. They knew getting people engaged and on board requires a more personalized approach. So let's have a look at why individualizing works. Fundamentally, the old McGregor model of labeling people as either more of an X manager or more of a Y manager is too restrictive. The Gallup study confirmed that effective management is about recognizing the value of both approaches and then applying them at the same time, i.e. keeping both balls in the air by combining both people and task requirements. So a recognition of the limitation of McGregor has given rise to a new approach recently, which is called the high support and high challenge model. And this is a really simple model, which is now being used by many progressive organizations, such as the NHS and Virgin Media. And the assumption is for growth to occur, every employee needs a balanced amount of both challenge and support in role. Again, it's an oversimplified picture of the challenges of management. But what I like about it is that it does accommodate both aspects of a manager's role. Now, so far, I've presented a, a whirlwind summary of this model. However, in my desire to keep this brief, I've missed off one really vital component part, and it's got to be included for this model to work. It's something that every manager should always consider, and it's to do with employee readiness. Because it's no good challenging or supporting someone who isn't ready or capable of taking on the tasks or duties. So to put another way, managers need to know each of their team really well so they can anticipate what will stretch their people and what type of support they're going to respond best to. Because these will always be different for different people. The best way to think about this is using the analogy of a harp. And this musical instrument has got lots of strings, all with different gauges. Now set some of the thinner, finer gauge strings too tightly and they will snap. Conversely, some of the thicker gauge strings set these too loose and they're gonna be unable to perform the requirements of their role. 
So like people, each one needs to be adjusted individually to gain the desired results. So in summary, a manager's really got to know their people well. And once again, this links back to the importance of individualizing. And as a, a final closing point, it is worth reiterating that the management role isn't to do with climbing the corporate ladder. True, people should always be rewarded, not based on seniority or length of service, but on how much responsibility they have. However, it's also the case that you can have responsibility at any stage of your career. Because if you split the word responsibility in two, you discover the words response and ability. And this implies that responsibility is actually about an ability to respond in more than just one way. So in this way, management can be viewed as using knowledge, skills, experience and attributes to apply a flexible approach to ever evolving work situations. Or put simply, helping others to make sense of and adapt to their changing environments. And the one reason why so many managers who are successful in the Gallup research into what great managers did differently was because of their sometimes unknowing ability to individualize, i.e. they were more naturally inclined to apply different approaches with different people in order to maximize results. In other words, they were able to respond in more than one way. Okay, we've now reached the end of this introductory session on how to succeed in management. And I hope that you've picked up some ideas and insights that you can apply back in your own workplace. If you are interested in finding out more about the original Gallup research, take a look at First Break All the Rules by Marcus Buckingham and Kurt Kaufman. If you'd like to discover how Endor Learn and Develop help managers to deliver results through their people, get in touch through the endorlearning.com website. Mm -hmm.